Hello and welcome to From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes, because we know more about them than you do. That's Clay. And that's my sidekick. No? <laughs> oh. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I was gonna... S- really? You see, you see, this is not gonna work if you're gonna be offended about it. <laughs> I, I, I just, uh... I was not aware of this arrangement. See, you see, you see, this is the problem, people. This is this treating being a sidekick in and of itself as a bad thing. You know, that's not fair <laughs> to sidekicks. They do a lot of good work. This is a hostile sidekick environment in that the sidekick is pretty hostile. <laughs> so, so sidekick characters in comic books, um, there is. Something of a negative reputation for the uh, your, your your classic sidekick character. The more modern interpretations of Batman tend to try and issue the sidekick as you know he's a usually a bit embarrassing. He wears funny tights, and there's also a lot of wrapped up homophobia going on there. Um, we're not just talking but, about Batman independently. We're talking about Batman with the sidekick, just in case you weren't aware. Because mm, um, that applies to both the, of them. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the the very idea of the sidekick has been something we've been putting a lot of distance between in recent years, often because as our superhero stories have gotten a bit more grim and a little more death-prone, killing off sidekicks became one of like the go-to moves for amping up the stakes, and that then also led to an environment where everyone was saying, why does anyone get a sidekick? It just seems a way to get a child killed. Yeah, and I mean, there's some truth to that, but the other half of that is, especially with a lot of the good sidekicks, where they're going to do it anyway. You know, if the character is well-developed on their own, you know, Dick Grayson was going to go out and he was going to find Tony Zuko. So the best thing Batman could do was get a handle on that and keep him from getting killed, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Jason Todd was going to lead a life of crime. He was going to get shot in his teens, inevitably. And so yeah. the and so the attempt to make him, you know, something, A, take that injury and put it something good, B, keep you where I can see you. And that's... Uh, I guess a counterpoint to that whole idea of like adult irresponsibility of the sidekick where if, and again, that requires that your sidekick character be enough of a character in and of themselves. You know, if you go to golden age where they're just there to, you know, be a child hero for the young readers to identify with, then yes. Why is this adult bringing this child along? But if it's a real character, there's usually a good reason for them to be there. And, and I mean, it also depends on the genre and style of the heroic character. I actually wouldn't blink for a heartbeat if, say, Superman had a sidekick. He doesn't need one. It doesn't actually add that much to the story. But Superman, if they were going to tell stories about Superman where he was mostly spending his time running around, saving the day and taking care of people, you could definitely find room for a sidekick. And that's kind of where the whole Jimmy Olsen saga comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as actual historical components, uh, the first, probably best known sidekick in comics is Robin, who Robin got his first appearance in the thirty-eighth issue of Detective mm. Comics. Yeah, which... so it's a, it's it's kind of inseparable in that way. Dick Grayson Despite... debuted in April nineteen forty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that's the thing. Seventy-seven where, years old. <sighs> there's, there's a whole thing about that, right? Like, I'll say a thousand and one times that we really shouldn't still be reading stories about the older characters anymore. That they've long outstayed their welcome. And I would say, oh, we should be reading stories about Nightwing, but I'm like, mm, no, we should be like five like characters deep at this point, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, like, Damien should be an old-ass man at this point. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, we, we have we have a kind of an odd 
situation on that front here, because when it comes to the Bat family, Batman kind of has gone through an explosion of sidekicks and secondary characters. And I say explosion, but, like, in comic terms, introducing, like, ten characters over the course of the past 25 years, that is very fast for a character who mostly just had Robin for 35 years. That's the thing, too, right? You had, like... I would definitely start the timeline from sometime in like the late 70s and 80s, whereas before that, there wasn't a lot of there there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Th- that's when they started like actually writing those characters instead of just letting them do whatever. Because yeah. Whatever, it sold books as opposed to when now we're doing a little more involvement. Not that people weren't writing real stories in comics or even in superhero comics before then, but... There were less, there were fewer and far between, I guess. Yeah. The, uh, so the sidekick character very much originally started out as a anchor for younger readers to care about an existing character. Yeah. Then, go on. What's funny about that is, I feel like there's this weird, like, age elevation where kids read about teen characters, and then teens read about adult characters, and some of that's just in the writing, right? Like, if you write a yeah. good enough teen character, you might appeal to that audience. But if you don't, they're going to gravitate towards the adult. Like, especially yeah. if you make the teen look lesser. Like, if you do older, you know, Robin stories where he gets kidnapped a lot, then a lot of teens at the time would rather be the guy who's depicted as competent. That's part of why Spider-Man took off, where he got to be a teen hero who was at least more or less competent in this situation. Yeah. And and he got to live in that nebulous space of post-teen pre-adult for a long time. Oh, yeah. Which meant that there was a lot of area that, that Spider-Man could connect to. And there was a period where the idea was in order to appeal to kids, comic book characters and superheroes needed a sidekick. And that led to some really awkward stuff getting made. Mm. Is this about uh, Green Lantern's like gr- like group of terrible sidekicks? Well, I to to use the Super Friends as an example, which is uh, for for anyone not particularly aware of this, the Super Friends were a 1970s ABC cartoon using the Justice League of of America, made by Hanna Barbera. Now, like, if you're an animation nerd, that actually looks like a, a, a dream matchup because Hanna Barbera specialized in a style of animation that wanted like broadly segmented characters, so you didn't have to animate every component of the body moving at once. You could just like use individual parts, and almost all these superhero costumes had some degree of uh, segmenting in their costume, which was really good, and it made them look very bold and distinct. But, um. The Super Friends was ultimately pitching very young, and it was kind of dumb. So is this about Marvin and Wendy? Because, boy. Well, first there was the Wonder Twins in the Super Friends. And you had Marvin and Wendy, and they had Gleek, who was their sidekick. And Gleek was a monkey. Um, (laughs) No, 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 no. You got that backwards, man. There's Marvin and Wendy, and they had a dog with a cape, the Wonder Dog. And then oh, there that's was the right. Wonder, the Wonder Twins had the monkey. Yes, I mixed up my Marvin and my Wendy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. By the way, that dog, Wonder Dog, was voiced by Frank Welker. Ugh, that dog also He's ate them both in the Teen Titans. Club everything. Comic. Yeah. This is some like, bullshit. <laughs> The, the, uh, and, 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 you know, this, this is, this Super Friends, after they noticed a slight slacking off in, in, uh, in interest in superheroes, they did scale down, and then they came back with the 1977 to 1978 season, the all-new Super Friends Hour, and in that one, everyone had a sidekick. You did have the Wonder Twins, Zan and Jaina, and their pet monkey, Gleek. But in addition, every one of the Super Friends had a sidekick kid. 
and sometimes they were really, really weird. The thing is, you know, Aqualad and Wonder Girl and all these other characters didn't come out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. history for them. It's, it's, uh... The weird thing about that, right, is a sidekick to a team, like Rick Jones or Snapper Carr, where you have, you know, an all-star style team, and for some reason they have to have a team character hang around them and, like, do their paperwork. It's, it's yeah, like uh, Rick Jones has gotten up to some shit, and Snapper Car less so. Like, <laughs> but like, why are you here? Actually, like that's the real question. Because both Rick Rick Jones may have gotten up to something. Snapper Car was just a regular ass teenager. And like, why are you there, man? You're like, fuck off. <laughs> like, actually, fuck off. <sighs> This I... this list of teen sidekicks included, for every single one of them, basically a slightly embarrassing kid version of the same ca- of the same person. And sometimes that worked. You got a cartoon depiction of Speedy, and you got a cartoon depiction of Wonder Girl. But they they also add some really weird stuff. Uh, like Kato, who was probably an alien, but might have just been a really badly colored Asian kid, who was Green Lantern's sidekick, who had no powers oh. and just rode around on his back. Oh yeah, no, that's that's better than the actual. No, that's a comics thing, Talon. And uh, that was okay. an uh, that was an Inuit character, actually. <laughs> oh, whose name whose name was Pieface. Oh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes bad. It goes bad. <laughs> they they slightly improved him. <laughs> you didn't wow. know about my face? I think, it's, I think he was Inuit, yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> let me, let me, let me check out. Thomas Kalmaku. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so a lot of this stuff is also deeply uncomfortably racist, especially when the Super Friends got involved with their uh, international characters, which included her um, Black the, Falcon, Apache Chief, Samurai, yeah. El Dorado, yep. and El Dorado, um, um, Rima. Uh, oh, there's more. All right, <laughs> Rima the Jungle Girl. I just know the ones I have action figures of. <laughs> and Samurai, who I think you yes. might have caught. Yeah. Wind Powers. It's yep. uh, it The thing about sidekicks actually is one having a teen sidekick that's not a superhero, I think is one of the things that makes you it that brings up the conversation of why you're here. Because Robin can actually punch a guy. You know, Speedy can shoot a guy with arrow. Wonder Girl, Aqualad, they're all like on the same level, but you have characters like the Wonder uh, Marvin and Wendy, or Snapper Car, or uh, Pie Face, or yeah. any of these just normal people hanging around. Now it's like, well, why is this child here? It's very irresponsible. Like being a superhero, even as a kid, naturally elevates you above whatever your station is. So if you're a superhero kid, you're not a kid. You're a superhero who just happens to be young. But if you yep. are just a kid, it's this weird awkwardness in the situation. Now, there there is an avenue to do this where if the power level of the superhero in question is of a particular type. Let's say, for example, you have... Let, let's say Sherlock Holmes. Let's say mm. Sherlock Holmes is our superhero in this context, and that's a whole host of a conversation right there. But, if there was a character who was basically Sherlock Holmes, but who couldn't climb on tall things, couldn't necessarily run away from things or chase people down, or had, didn't have a level of physical fitness that we normally associate with youth, a totally normal young kid character could make a perfectly decent sidekick to that, right? 
You're not wrong, but we're still in a situation of you're bringing that kid into danger. Like, you could just yeah, absolutely. hire a more athletic adult and just pay him. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, interesting. The circumstances would need to be involved, need to be set up so to make sure that this was actually a requirement. Like, you know, you have to have a kid. Uh, you, you know, you can't trust anyone else or, 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 uh, you can't afford anyone else or, you know, they are following you around and trying to be helpful. And all of your particular danger is always post-fact. You're never getting caught up in the murder. You're getting caught up in the investigation. And I think the more interesting version of this, and I think I've talked to you about this, is the Star Spangled Kid. This old, old, old yeah. DC Comics character who was kind of like a Sherlock Holmes type. He was just a smart kid who I guess is also at least moderately decent at fighting. Who just hired this big-ass dude to follow him around. And that was his sidekick, Stripesy. He was like... I'm 15. Maybe I should get a big guy. <laughs> and it's it's weird how Stripesy outlived the Star Spangled Kid. Well, I mean, kind of is. Do you remember, isn't. by the way, the Star Spangled Kid's full name? Sylvester Pemberton? Sylvester Pemberton. <laughs> it's the... Man, Stripes got, like, a weird life where he's always walking around being, like, the sidekicks to, like, children. Because then Stargirl comes through and he's still her sidekick and still doing the same thing of being the large one. Except now he's in a big robot suit. He looks like the fucking big guy and she's rusty. Yeah. And so, I don't know, that feels, that, that feels like we're having the same conversation again. Because why didn't you put the girl in the suit to protect her? Like, like, it feels kind of shady that you're doing that, man. Like, Look, uh, I, Stargirl is a very big, um, no-go area for me. How's that? I read one issue of Stargirl and it made me incredibly uncomfortable. What? Okay, go ahead. It's, it, it's the episode where the whole city is being haunted by ghosts and they are able to overwhelm every superhero except they leave her alone. Because she's a virgin. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. And I was just like, yeah, I, I don't. Can... I don't want to read this. This this concerns me. <laughs> yeah, I can see where you go. With that Star Girl's cool. Excited all of that shit, but yeah, yeah. I'm not. Go- I'm not gonna hold that against anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and more love to the people who do enjoy that. It's just it made me feel really directly uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know how much of that continues on with the character, but mm, mm, mm. <laughs> that's actually so, the real thing about like Captain yeah. America and Bucky too, just to keep with all the red, white, and blue. Because I'm pretty sure Bucky's just a kid, and Captain America's Captain America. Yeah. So mm. it, it depends on it depends on the implementation of Bucky. Um, one one of the things about Bucky in the original 1940s. Uh, wow, yeah, in the original 1940s run, is that Bucky was meant to be a soldier. And, you know, he hung out with Captain America, uh, but the thing is that the, that what they wanted to show Bucky doing is what they wanted to show everyone of Bucky's age, more or less, that they could do. Yeah. They were trying to get people to sign up to actually go and shoot Nazis. And... Well, I mean, that's... It's weird, because... Yes, shoot Nazis. No, don't encourage children to join the military. <laughs> That's a whole thing about, like, fighting age and who goes to fight your wars for you and what have you, because, for fuck's sake, right? Like, yeah. And that's part of it, too. Like, which, another thing where you realize who's reading your book and you're like, oh, well, we can do something with that. What are you doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it. <laughs> Uh, but no, like, again, that the whole idea of the scene sidekick, like, being the sort of diminutive version of the adult works a lot better if they're on the same level, at least partially, and it just brings a lot of questions, but it is cool to watch, again, if they're the main focus, then it's a different conversation, right? Because we're not focused so much, like, in a Robin book. We don't have we don't think about this so much because he's almost an independent character. 
with the sort of hero looming over them. Yeah. One other thing you can use a sidekick for that I like a lot is when you use a sidekick to represent a uh, a cultural gap in Batman and Robin's relationship. Robin is often used to highlight this is what not being a 35-year-old PTSD sufferer would be like in this context of Gotham City. Here is how I relate to it. And that's fine. But I greatly prefer things like Aquaman and Aqualad, where both of them are running around in our culture as outsiders, and we're having to internalize and work out what that means. But the way they treat one another tells you things about how that culture treats one another. Oh, yeah, the whole, like, royalty. I mean, it's a little bit with Wonder Girl and Wonder Woman, too, where it's this whole royalty culture and, the, the, like, the, the king and the prince or whatever. And that, like, dynamic is can be real interesting as opposed to just, like, the mentor-teacher. The other thing is, like, how much of a teacher your superhero is acting like towards your sidekick. Yeah. You know, is that a... Is the sidekick... A met is is a uh, um God what's the word I'm looking for here not a ward but a um protege or is a sidekick just another soldier in your war like sometimes they'll do that with Robin where they'll well Batman will treat him like a soldier and good writers will treat that like a problem like no you're an adult you're supposed to be teaching me I know we're out here doing dangerous things but I'm here to be I'm here to learn I'm here to be taught not to serve a purpose for you you know. Like uh, an old Nightwing. Well, it was it was sort of Nightwing's year one issue, where basically he gets fired for being too busy being a Teen Titan, because oh, you're my soldier, you should be here to fight. It's like I'm a person, <laughs> I'm not a tool to use. And yeah, like there was an, an angle where he was sort of intentionally pushing the character away, but even still, you don't want that. You want a thing where there's like a growing relationship. Where they're helping each yeah. other, but the adult should still be helping the child more on some level. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the things about that that sends Batman off the rails for me a lot of the time when Tim Drake is his adult. Yeah, yeah. Now, one one angle I really like on the sidekick is containment. When uh, the sidekick has access to a level of power that is, uh, you know, actually out of scope for both of the characters and the hero you know, the adult character's job is as much to teach them to temper and control it and to make sure that they are safe in how they use it I quite mm. like that mm. um, I'm trying to remember if you saw like the second season or third season of Arrow with uh, Roy Harper and that whole angle he was doing yeah yeah the Mirakuru uh, Speedy yeah the Miraclo. Uh that's some uh that is a cool like I said, he's perform he's helping the kid in a certain way. And it's the same way we said before, the, the kid's gonna get into trouble anyway. Like if you're running around hopped up on, you know, super soldier serum, you're gonna do some shit. So maybe we get a handle on that and that makes life better for everybody. It's uh that's sort of what you get with some of the t uh some versions of Superboy and Supergirl, where it's like you're you're fucking yeah. Kryptonian, and this needs to be managed, and this is the best way to do it. Yeah, it... uh, there's a there are there are some interpretations of Miss Martian that do that as well, where she's oh, yeah. uh, much more uncontrollable psychically. And I she mean... was also Star Girl at one point, by the way. Sorry, uh, well... the Star Spangled Kid. Really. Yeah. This is like, yeah. wait, like to a meaningful degree or just like, no. like a panel or a page? <laughs> no, no, not for a panel, but she was like, for a couple of issues, she took on the role of the Star Spangled Kid until Courtney Whitmore took it back. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, but yeah, the whole idea Comics! Of... <laughs> God. The weird thing is characters who really shouldn't have sidekicks, like Wild Dog had a sidekick for a while there. You know, like the Punisher, basically. There's <laughs> like Wild Dog and Spot or something. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Oh god, yeah. Like, hey, you. And he, and the, the, the worst thing is he gave him like a slingshot. Like, if you're going into situations with guns 
and you have a kid, like, you've already fucked up, but also, you better give that kid a gun. Don't fucking... Like, yeah. Don't, like, you, you're, you're, you're doing awful already. Don't also, like, downplay the level of awful for the kid. Because, like, oh, we can't give a kid a gun. Yeah, so send him home. <laughs> yeah. P- pick one. There's, there's not really pick a lot one. of excuse here. It's, it's, like a, it's like a really unfortunate, like, what do we do? Do we give this child a gun? Mm, I don't know. Do we not give the child a gun? <laughs> like, what do we do, right? Yeah. And the, the, uh, so, so there's mentor, there's containment, there is the family angle, which we've talked about with, uh, the bat fam. And, uh, that, that one also has a real chance to run into problems when, when they're written by people who don't remember that, you know, kids, kids have emotional needs and they need to mature as well. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the thing where if you have sidekicks, the thing about a sidekick is it, it creates a very specific, like a teen sidekick in particular, because there are grown ass adult sidekicks, and we should talk about that at some point. But yeah, the Blaine idea Bucky that he was old enough to enlist, right? I mean, there's every Marvel superhero's black friend who is a grown ass adult sidekick, like and, you know, <laughs> and the Falcon and and War Machine, <laughs> and um. <laughs> But, no, there's that whole thing of the, you know, your kid, if you if you have a teen psychic, that indicates, one, your age, and that's part of the reason why DC goes back and forth on the Robins, because they make Batman look old. But they indicate your age, and they indicate a person whose age is transitional, that they have to grow up. You know, it's the whole thing that Tim Drake has been yeah. 17 for 17 years. And, you know... You have to show those... That's... If you're writing them well, you have to show these characters growing. And you have to show them... Yeah. Transitioning. And that's why one of the things I love is the sidekick graduation. Yeah. You know, a Dick Drake to a Nightwing, uh, a Speedy to a Arsenal. Uh, that's the thing. Have we ever had a super... Like a super family graduation? Do they just stay a Not super boy really. super girl yeah. forever? Okay, look, you can make a real long-shot case that that's kind of what Power Girl did, but she's a distinct entity from right, Supergirl, she did that, so... She did that off-camera in another dimension and showed up in our world having already done that. Yeah. It's kind of like if it's like if Nightwing came from Earth 2 and he just showed up. I'm Nightwing. Who? I used to be Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson's over there. He's 15. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well kid, you're gonna get hot. Yeah. <laughs> Just a warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, look, that... it it doesn't usually happen in the super family, but that's because a lot of the super family has spent the past fifty years being gotten wrong and like disappearing and coming back. Just the fact that there have been like four different versions of Supergirl within, like you know, there was the one that was. It's just it goes places, right? And that's what makes that complicated. Whereas. Even with the whole how many, it was funny. You talk about how many Robins have died. It's been like two, and they're both still alive. So, yeah, there are there are five Robins in total that are well, actually just... within continuity. Yeah, and two of them have died, and one of them we're told didn't really die, and the other one is back from the dead. Yeah, uh, Tim Drake. The Tim Drake quote unquote died earlier this year, but on the exact same book that he quote, died, we saw him. Like he didn't even die; he just got disappeared for a while, and now he's yeah. back. Like right now, I just read the book where he came back this week. <laughs> and I, I guess to provide context for anyone who's particularly interested, the sequence of Robins is. Uh, let, let's see if I can do this without actually looking at the page. Ooh, no, ooh, I don't think challenge. I can. Okay, challenge so first mode. up you had Dick Grayson, who was replaced by Jason Todd, who was killed by the Joker, who was replaced by Tim Drake, who was replaced by Stephanie Brown, who was killed in a truly terrible comic, and then you had oh, right. Damian Wayne. Like that's the that's the five Robins. 
Right. That's three Robins who have died and come back. Yeah. Die, die. Comics died. Yeah. I, for, I keep forgetting that Stephanie... I forget forgetting that Damien died because that lasted maybe a year. Right? Yeah, comics are dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, that's the thing, right? Where it's kind of unfortunate that the, the sidekick identity, like by its nature, isn't its own identity. And it's a thing that gets like shuffled around a lot. And I think that works against the characters in a lot of ways. Because By the way, do you know who the uh the current Robin is in New Fifty Two, according to Wikipedia? Uh Damien. Helena Wayne. Oh no, no, no. See that's that's, that's in Earth two. No, no, that's Earth Two. Yeah. And there's I oh, read that's Earth right. Two. I can I and she became Huntress after being Robin, so like the whole Again, the whole, comics are dumb. The whole premise of Earth Two was that Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman died holding back Apocalypse. And so, like, it's years later and the Earth has been sort of ravaged by new gods and shit. But, yeah. No, even setting the multiverse stuff aside, like, to the edge. Like, the whole thing that psychic identities get shuffled around and you're supposed to grow out of it, right? Yeah. This is part of the problem of being an adult sidekick. Like, is... It, it. Nobody wants your job anymore. <laughs> like nobody's gonna. Yeah. Nobody wants to be the next Falcon. Not even a Birdman. And, and there's a lot of like fundamental disrespect bound up in them. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole thing when they had a, a black guy be Bucky for a while there to a completely different Captain America, and like, how messed up is that, that though? He's he's Bucky. Bucky isn't a superhero identity. Bucky's his fucking name. <laughs> All right, you yeah. get to work alongside Captain America. By the way, Clarence, your new name is Tony. Uh, <laughs> uh, what? You heard me, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, just as a bonus, it's a really white name. Uh, it's there's. There's weird fucking issues with that. Completely separate. And the weirdest thing about that is then we get a character like Patriot a couple of years later. Patriot's cool. We should have just... Well, Patriot like dropped out after a while. But Patriot was cool. We should have stuck with him. They eventually called that guy uh, Battlestar. And I'm trying to remember yep. if anything ever happened to him. Like, what, what happened to Battlestar? You're probably like, dead. Like, in general? Probably, I don't remember. He's probably dead. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can think. He's he's, he's exactly it's like a Black Goliath. I mean Goliath. I mean Black Goliath again. I mean Goliath again. There's a whole bunch of these guys who are just like friends, right? I think yeah. part of that is again the psychic identity is defined in relationship to the hero, and if you're a grown ass adult like Stripes or Battlestar, Goliath, or War Machine, you yeah. basically don't have much of a personality. Well, you have a personality, but you don't have like a strong set of iconography. You, you, your costume is a different version. Your of character else's. as a hero, like in universe, your hero identity doesn't really have a character to it. It doesn't You're have Luigi. an identity the way that Batman does. Like right. War Machine. Part of the point, like, War Machine's very name is dehumanized. War Machine mm. is ultimately meant to come across as an object more than a person. Right. That's what, and it's, again, they've kind of done something, I guess, better with the Robins with that, where Robin is so distinct from Batman that he can almost yeah. be his own thing. Almost every other sidekick is a smaller and version. And has been the, several times. Right. Yeah, but I'm, like Bucky dresses and looks like a younger Captain America. War Machine is Iron Man with guns. Uh Speedy is small green arrow. Wonder Girl, yeah. Aqualad, they're all separate. Robins have done a good job of distinguishing themselves by virtue of coming out the gate as being like presented in 
in as a comparison to their hero. They're not an accessory to their hero. They're an opposite. They're a foil. And that gives them yeah. room to grow. And that was ultimately one of the things about Jason Todd that kind of doomed him. Because yeah. he disagreed with Batman in a way that, as it turns out, the readers hated. Yeah. And the the funny thing is, the readers thought they would love that. Man, it's an edgy Batman character, and he kills bad people. Oh, this guy sucks. <laughs> it. Uh, I get. I guess to provide context for the listener, uh, Jason Todd was introduced as a replacement Robin, who was and basically an at-risk youth who who got Batman's attention for trying to jack the wheels on the Batmobile. And... Right, and this is um. From a publishing standpoint, this was partially because, like, Teen Titans had started to really take off at the time. Particularly, I think this was during the new Teen Titans era. So this is with the sign yeah. Beast Boy team. They'd, got, they'd gotten rid of Matter Eater Lad. Right. So, they were doing this, and this was not getting so popular. <laughs> he ate everything. You think I'm going to forgive no. a name like Matter Eater Lad? Ever? Me? Look, man. You... <laughs> I didn't realize you felt so strongly about the Legion of Superheroes. Or that anybody felt that strongly. (laughs) It's such a bad name. But what about Arm Fall Off Boy? (laughs) Well, it was a pretty good band back in the early 2000s, but it came out kind of pretentious these days. (laughs) I don't know, man. He's writing comics. That's the the weirdest fucking thing. Now the Fallout Boy guy is writing comics for DC. Yep, <laughs> writing Doom Patrol. It all, it all feeds into itself in a giant aerobarus. Anyway, the the point is that uh, Jason Todd was introduced to be a sort of an edgier Batfoil, and one of the complaints about Dick Grayson prior to that point was that he was a bit of a Boy Scout to Superman to, to Batman, and Batman was. This was this was kind of that dawning of the Bat meme period when Batman was kind of getting that level of you know can handle anything edginess that you know has just been so great for comics in general and yeah like during that time period like when the 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 golden age of uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson they were very similar to each other you know in terms of personality most of the time and. Once Batman started to go one direction, they it was I guess the idea being that Jason Todd should go with him because originally Jason Todd was just a straight clone of Dick Grayson, like even yeah. down to having the circus background. And then Crisis got him, this and is, he got his own identity. This is also where we get the odd um, impact of Adam West because this is when that show started to go into heavy syndication. And suddenly little kids were getting into Batman, and they were getting into Batman because of Adam West's really dorky, dancing, goofy dad jokes, Batman. Mm. And there was a push from the comic book base who wanted to be taken a little more seriously and didn't want to think of Batman as being silly. And I, I can definitely understand a desire, certainly at that age, to be taken more seriously than the Bat Watusi. But it did have a knock-on effect of resulting in the creation of Jason Todd. Mm. Jason Todd... uh, Well, Jason Todd was willing to kill people and lie to Batman about it. And people found that, to their surprise, they didn't like that. They didn't think it was edgy and cool. They kind of hated him. And eventually it led to one of the earliest examples of a Twitter poll where audiences were asked uh, about the eventual fate of what they wanted to see happen to Jason Todd... And people voted for him to die. <laughs> they straight up there, wanted to kill him. There's a wide variety of different stories of like. What I, the I, I, I am simplifying was. some of the steps. Don't get me wrong. No, no. What I'm saying is, I don't know how clear it is. Like, there's a saying: he lost by one vote, and the other one is it's a landslide. And I don't think as we've actually got that figured out. Like. Who, how much people actually wanted him gone, we just know they wanted him gone. One yeah. way or another. And, and by the way, for context, uh, for, for even more context for the listener, this is at the point where the Joker is the ambassador to the UN for Iran. 
uh, was it Iran or Saudi Arabia? I remember it being Iran, but I could be wrong. Oh, actually, this I is just remember looking back on it and being like, "Wow, we we have not gotten over making the same brown people scary, have we?" No, no, I remember why I'm misremembering this. Uh, whatever country it originally was, uh, it was changed to a fictional DC country in like reprint. Ah, uh, yes. So it used Quirk. to be rock. Yes, fictional brown conflict country where it's always bombs yeah. and people wear kafeas and shit. Yeah, but, that, that's a that's a favored trope, by the way. Of we've realized we've done something racist, we probably should fix that. I mean, on the one hand, it's like having fucking Ayatollah Khomeini show up with Joker is stupid as hell. On the other hand, I kind of like fictional nations just because then you can tie shit together. You know, you can go yeah, from yeah, yeah. like you can you can continue writing that story, like. Well, it's we'll, like we'll get we'll we'll get to Fictionopolis in the future because that's a that's a whole world building conversation, and I have views on how to do that and how to do that well. And this is a psychics episode, yeah, <laughs> which means that it's another like... bigger, slightly better episode will come out shortly after it. I guess. <laughs> how to train your sidekick? Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of sidekicks, let me ask you a question. Yes. Cat Noir. Sidekick? In, in in the context of uh, Marinette and... Uh, sorry, Miraculous Ladybug and, and uh, Cat Noir? Mm-hmm. Okay. I do not feel that Adrian counts as a sidekick. I think okay. that that will be a great place for that dynamic to go. I really hope it does. But at the moment, in the continuity I'm at, which is admittedly... Uh, starting is completed season one. Haven't started season two because I don't speak French or Polish. Um, I, I don't think that Cat Noir counts as a sidekick. I think that what you have there is a much better example of a really good duo dynamic, where you have these two characters who are both emotionally accessible to one another, and problem solving being the metaphor for how they mostly interact they still get a lot of chances to bounce off each other and represent and, and show things about who they are to one another. I fucking love that show though. So yes, thank you for, thank you for giving me an excuse. <laughs> so, I mean, as you've laid it out, what do you think, what, what kind of social dynamics would you say would make a person a sidekick as opposed to a duo or a partner? Okay. So one of the things that I feel is necessary for a sidekick is a power dynamic. I mm-hmm. genuinely think that if you're a sidekick, one between a sidekick and a mentor, one of those parties needs to be able to feel they can send the other to bed. Not right. necessarily that they ever would, because that's really demeaning, but like there is a clear in charge. Because that's that's kind of what's necessary for a sidekick to be a sidekick. You you need to be in a position that you're learning from the other instead of just, you know, yeah, we hang out. Like who drives the motorcycle and who sits in the sidecar? One of yeah, these things yeah, has exactly. an engine, one of these things doesn't. Yeah, and I mean, like, between you and me, I would actually buy the position that I'm your sidekick because I've been sitting time going, hey, who are the Watton Clang? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, okay. if you ever needed to look up a Greek text about the Bible, I probably could help you out. Anyway, mm. the, this is where we're <laughs> the somewhat haphazard point I'm circling around there is I feel that a power dynamic is necessary. I also feel there needs to be a degree of uh, of reasonability about the presence of the sidekick. I need. I think that in order for a sidekick character to be a sidekick to be, and not just you know an example of really irresponsible child abuse, right? Or uh, just a supporting character. To... Yes, and. On that note, the sidekick needs to be a character in their own right. Like mm-hmm. in um in Gold Digger, the the Peebos, the the little robots that Gianna Diggers makes, they are not sidekicks. They are just things. They are toys. She has them. They they give comic relief. They make funny dialogue, but they aren't characters. They don't have a motivation and an inner life, and they don't have um a chance to grow or disagree with the mentor character. They are just oh, so things. like a so like a Tachkoma. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 yeah, that's a, that's a really good example. Uh, the Tachikoma in, in, um, in, in Ghost in the Shell. Standalone complex. Probably fit my feeling of what a sidekick could be. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, do you feel I'm missing anything there as far as, like, useful no, storytelling tools? No, I do. Th- I think you're on point there. I think there also needs to be, like, from, like, a superhero concept standpoint, like, oh, a yeah, meaningful yeah. connection between their, like, methodology and themes and style and what have you, you know? And, like you said, they have to be main characters or sort of main characters known, right? They have to have their own stories. They have to be connected to the main yeah. plot. They can't just be over there. Like, if Huntress isn't a Batman story... She's not necessarily a sidekick because she's Huntress, right? And yeah. she intersects. When if if Daredevil shows up in a Punisher story, he's not sidekicking because even if you yeah. know they're just sort of intersecting, you have to be there and you have to be a main part of your story. And I think you're right in that the power dynamic is a lot of what it's all about. Of course, there's also this. There's also this really annoying thing that uh, my particular variety of English doesn't actually have, um, which, which is super hard to explain. Um, are you familiar? You probably are, but to the listener, there's this idea of the habitual B in, uh, in, in classical English descriptions. If I say, if you hear me say something like, um, he be working, you would assume what I'm saying is he is right now working. Right? Okay. <laughs> Whereas in AAVE, uh, African American Vernacular English, which has a habitual B, if I said, it, well, if someone who speaks that said, he be working, the implication is, in general, in a habit sense, this person is usually working, even if they're not working right now. Okay. <laughs> I, I know this sounds really stupid to bring up like this, but, but it's that a sidekick needs to be sidekicking. Yes. You're right you're right about that. It's a it's a part As of a the habitual process. thing. Yeah. So if Definitely. a sidekick like, is sitting around going, uh, I don't want to be here or or, you know, this is this sucks. I don't like being a superhero or something like that, they're really like not doing that. They're not being that. Right. And it I think the um the, the the whole thing of like that's part of your gig like you don't just show up every once in a while but that's what you do yeah like sidekick is a role that you play it's a job that you do as opposed to yeah. guest star or even a duo because like a duo can be a duo until they like choose not to be right yeah if a sidekick yeah, chooses to stop being a side right if a sidekick chooses to like stop being a sidekick they usually have to go be something entirely different right. That's, that's the whole a really graduation. good point. Yeah, that's the whole graduation thing, right? If you have, if you want to be something else besides a sidekick, but well, then you can't be what you were before. You have to go. Yeah, you have to set way. it aside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really, really good salient point on this front. That yeah, um, a couple can split up, um, and a couple can change within the context of the couple, but you like. You couldn't have Robin shift gears and become Nightwing while still being a sidekick. No. And this is also why I say, like, the most sidekick-ass thing you can do is to take on your mentor's role for Robin to become Batman, for, for you know, Falcon to become Captain America, War Machine to be Iron Man, which he has done on numerous occasions. You're, yep. you, you haven't created your own personality, your own identity, your own role. You've just completely sublimated yourself into the other person. Like, you're now your own sidekick somehow, right? Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you just go off and become Nightwing on your own, you go off and become Arsenal on your own, you're being your own thing. You're defining which is why, yourself. Which, which is why the really brief idea of changing, um, uh, of giving Nightwing sidekicks doesn't seem to have stuck. <clears throat> see, I'm. I can see that. Uh, I don't know, because like that, you know, there's the whole legacy conversation into that, and but it is that idea that 
you're still being defined by the sidekick mentor relationship, even outside of like you're just well, there has to be it a sidekick in this relationship that I'm a part of and this life that I'm a part of as opposed to you moving past it. Eh, I don't know. Like, yeah, mm, I have a hard time seeing it, but I feel like I want it to work. Like that's an idea I would like to see happen, but I kind of think you might be right. It's one of those things where I want to disagree with you, but I can't. I, I think this is uh, one of the other elements of a sidekick that isn't on the sidekick. I think that some characters need... I, I think that for a sidekick, the character they are sidekicked to needs to be sidekickable. Mm. You can totally have a sidekick of Batman. We we know. We've seen it. it. It has been a fixture of the world longer than either of us have been alive. That's not surprising. You can probably pull off a sidekick for Superman, but it's never really stuck. And I think that, for example, the Spectre. No, <laughs> you, no. There's there's a similar conversation about like aging down characters, where if a character is defined by their relationship to younger people, then you can't age them down very far, right? Like you yeah. can't make teenage Batman because then you'll have no. five year old Robin, and what the fuck, right? Whereas you can make, like, for example, a teenage Iron Fist because then his relationship is with the slightly older Luke Cage, maybe. That's fine. But you can't have teenage Luke Cage. Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. That is terrible. You can't do that thing you did. Because that's a character whose whole relationship is, like, about having a long past. Or a teenage Black Lightning because he's a teacher. His whole relationship is defined by his, you know, dynamic with the younger people. And to a certain degree, Nightwing's relationship has been defined by his relationship with older people. So, yeah, where do you go? You know, which, which, by the way, is one of the things about the breakaway when they went to Nightwing that was so cool because it meant that Nightwing could get friends his own age. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's... That's the whole thing. The sidekick dynamic can weaken you. It's a thing where is is the story better with both parts than they are separate, right? Yeah. And sometimes that relationship runs its course. Again, when the characters have aged, if the character is an adult, if they've developed past being the sidekick. But it takes time and it takes a, ch- a change in the relationship over that time. Like, yeah. Yeah. I I hate saying it, but like Diggle's kind of a sidekick despite being in a mental role, you know? And it's odd, right? Because he's obviously the older one, the wiser one, but he functions as a sidekick. Like in error. The thing he the the thing with that dynamic and the reason it feels like an inverted sidekick is because Typically speaking, when we see the sidekick relationship, it's from the perspective of the younger character, the the less informed character trying to work out the older one. It's usually using the older character as a reliable point of reference to show them doing something cool and the younger character helping. And when it comes to emotions or intellectual stuff, it's the older character knowing something and the younger character learning something. In the Dick Damien dynamic... That's such a horrible phrase. I feel so bad saying that. But in the Dick-Damien dynamic, Damien has a surprising amount of his shit together, and Dick is the one who is trying to work out how do I keep him from thinking the way he is is right. The The emotional locus of that pairing is inverted for us, the viewer, because Damien doesn't need help putting his socks on. Damien needs help reining it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's the same thing, like I said, with Diggle on Arrow, where yeah. he's the smarter one, he's the older one, he's the mentor, but he's the sidekick, like, because of the writing, right? The plot, that, part of that is, who does your writing say? There's also the a racial character. element there, which is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like, it's, it's who does your plot say is the main character, right? And that yeah. d- defines a lot of it, because, although... There's, there's that whole thing of having outside narrative context because you can have a Robin book 
and Batman is supporting character in it. But we still know Robin's a sidekick because he exists in other books and other contexts. It's not yeah. like a movie where we only have the context of the movie. We know who Robin is because of his role as a sidekick in another story. So even if you make him the main character, we still think of him as a sidekick because that's who he is. It's like Mario, right? Even if Mario's <laughs> Dr. Mario. No, if he Mario Luigi, there's strong comparisons here, but even if we, you know, have Mario and a go-kart in another game, we still think of him as a plumber because we know him from Mario games. Yeah. Well, that, that incidentally is another instance where I would really hope that I could have a habitual B. <laughs> because the other thing is, Mario isn't plumbing. Mario don't yeah. be plumbing. Mario be main charactering. <laughs> Platforming. God, I'm shocked there's no Mario side-scrolling beat-em-up. Because you just kind of want him to punch people sometimes. <laughs> I, I I think the fact that there isn't a Mario side-scrolling beat-em-up is proof that the people who claim he's an Italian plumber from Brooklyn have never been to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... We talked a lot about like the mechanisms and storytelling devices of, of of sidekicks. Are there any sidekicks that you really like? Well, obviously, I love the Robins and most of the Bat family. Um, yeah, and I enjoyed like the Arrow supporting cast. I'm kind of liking Emiko right now in um, Arrow in the Green Arrow books. Uh, uh, I keep saying that I think. Uh, Wild Dog's little kid sidekick is terrible, but I enjoy terrible things, so. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look at me! (laughs) Enjoys this small child next to this, like, violent murderer, and he's like, Alright, kid, (laughs) get out there and get him. Uh, I do love the Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy dynamic, just because, you know, that flips it on its head, and the fact that you have a legacy... Some main character instead of a legacy sidekick and just the idea that you know he has to get in. one they look good together because Stargirl and Stripe look fantastic like I just yeah, enjoy yeah, seeing them like, like like on a visual and like impactful level and just the, how they can interact because you have this agile character you know who's very aerial and you have the big heavy tech guy and that's a good dynamic to see um mm-hmm Watching him, like, struggle to keep up in the striped suit is entertaining when it happens. You know, the whole, you know, the old man who got pulled back in. That's a really favorite. I like that because it's still about someone else, right? It's very much like Logan and um, X-23, where it's someone else's story that he's being pulled into. And that's always fun. Um, Yeah. The fucking... The fucking... Wolverine Jubilee, Wolverine uh, Shadowcat dynamic is also great because of most yeah. of how that develops the character. It develops Wolverine without making Jubilee or Kitty Pride his adult, which I think is pretty cool. When it works. Also, I'm just, I got a soft spot for Jubilee, so I'll just support her and her endeavors, whatever they are. <laughs> I my my own taste of sidekicks. Um, I I actually uh, I I try to avoid too much of the let me tell you about my paladin stuff. But I loved pal- I loved sidekicks so much uh, in City of Heroes. I had an entire super group of characters who I played on my own that I didn't show to other people because I was embarrassed of the concept. Who were all former sidekicks. <laughs> and they were all former sidekicks with totally different takes on, on the sidekick story. And, like, one of them liked their mentor, and everyone else has got, like, low-key, well, heck to you, dad, resentment going on. And so there's also, like, don't, don't say, don't say sidekick around them. Don't, don't use the S word. <laughs> um, but as, as far as, as far as um, sidekicks, I do like, I would just like to point, just like to bring up two that I'm not sure they count. Mm. So let, let me put this to the court of clay. Is Atlee Power Girl's sidekick? Mm. 
or are they a couple? <laughs> Can't be both. Uh. <laughs> it it really depends on how they're writing it at that time because uh, when it's when it's fun, go to IKEA, get you know, outfit your life, teach you how to interact with the world, Power Girl and Atlee. That that's a sidekick dynamic. That absolutely is a sidekick dynamic. On the other mm. hand, when it's we're both going on adventures to the moon, they're very much more equal. Yeah. That's the part that's the whole like secret identity like power thing, right? Because having a secret identity or a separate life gives you a certain degree of power, in addition to having superpowers. So, yeah. you know, once they go fighting evil, I have Earth powers, we have Kryptonian powers, we're more or less on the same level, but once they're in, like, the normal world, there's a clear power discrepancy with Kara being a, you know, a businesswoman and Atlee being a gremlin. <laughs> and... Yeah. And the other but side of this, so- which is, like, I don't really care about the mentor character in this case, but Kid Devil. Yeah... Blue Devil's cool, not as a sidekick, like not as a mentor, but he's he's cool independently. He's terrible as a mentor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. My favorite things about Kid Devil are that he's basically a sidekick with abandonment issues from a mentor character. Like almost all of Kid Devil's problems tie from an absence of authority that he keeps looking to, uh, such as as a powerful metaphor with the whole Catholic Church thing. Anyway. Mm. The... It's uh, Blue Devil's great. Uh, I remember uh, talking with someone who actually also liked that run of Teen Titans, and it was funny because I was like, "Yeah, man, I just feel so bad for Kid Devil," and he's like, "What? Why? No, he he just liked Kid Devil as like a character he thought was really cool, and he felt betrayed when they killed him. Spoilers. Yeah, I was just like." I just enjoyed him as a tragic Well, it's been character. nine years. I think we can accept that maybe people... I, you know. I don't know. But just um, the, that weird... Like, I was coming up and from, oh, yeah, he's a really sad character who was written well as a sad character. And yeah. he was just like, no. I, like, he, he just thought... He was out here thinking, like, he was going to be the next Superman. And, and he got cheated. I was like, no, nah, he was going to get... That story was going to end bad. Like <laughs> that story was not going to end happy. It didn't yeah. start happy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like that idea of being a again, it's like Robin, right? It's 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 a sidekick where their mentor isn't there, but we still think of them as that because of what we know from the outside context. But also because he spent a lot of time being like the Marvin and Wendy to the Teen Titans when he was just, you know, when he was just a normal guy and trying real hard. Well, well, let's talk about Kid Devil and the Teen Titans and Talon's 1,500-page Ravager fan fiction, shall we? Let's just just (laughs) shuffle that all off the table. No, let's let's shuffle it back on the table. Face up. (laughs) Take pictures. (laughs) Post it to Instagram. <laughs> Why? Well, well, shock horror. I have a thing for the bad girl tempting the heavily religious son of a preacher boy. Oh mm. my goodness. Mm. What a surprise. <laughs> mm. 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 <laughs> uh, uh, there's, there's a sequence in uh, one of the comics with Ravager and, and, and Kid Devil where he's sitting by a pool with his feet in the water and steam coming up off them because fire. And his his and she walks over to him, holds his face, and uses his face to light a cigarette that she's holding in her mouth. <sighs> and I showed that to a friend, and she said that is somehow both sapphic and uh, phallic at the exact same time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, superheroes. <laughs> Motors. <laughs> Satan motors.
That was From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes. That was Clay. That was Alan. And I'm the sidekick. Next time we'll be talking about the Bride of Nine Spiders, Talon's favorite character. Fuck! (laughs) (laughs) I've got so many, Talon. I've got so many. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why did they fucking do that? Oh! (laughs) Why would you make a kung fu series when you have clearly never seen a single fucking kung fu movie? (laughs) Ah! All right, I'm done. Uh... <laughs>